Hello guys, Jonathan here from Arcade Repair Tips. We would just like to take a moment and thank you for listening to the audio replay of the live show here on the podcast feed. We'd also like to remind you to join our live show on the first Thursday night of every month at 5.30 p.m. Central Time. It's always a great time and we enjoy interacting with people just like you in our live chat. So be sure to make plans to be there for the next one. Remember also that we have an after show that takes place immediately after the live show. And if you'd like to listen to the audio from that, you will need to check it out on our YouTube page, which can be found at youtube.arcaderepairtips.com. So let us continue on with a short word from our sponsor, and then we'll get to the episode. Broadcasting from their world headquarters in Texas, it's the Arcade Repair Tips Live Show. The show that discusses arcade repair, restoration, news, and more. Now, here are your hosts, Tim and Jonathan. Well, hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 48 of the Arcade Repair Tips Live Show for February 2021. My name is Jonathan Leung. I'm the producer, director, and editor of the Arcade Repair Tips video series. And joining me today, as always, is uh, Mr. Arcade Repair Tips himself, Tim Peterson. Tim, how you doing? I'm doing okay. Doing much better than earlier this week. Yeah, you were telling me you weren't feeling good, right? Yeah, I, did. I thought um, I had to get a COVID test because I had some symptoms, but it turned out to be pretty common for me this time of year. I had a sinus infection, so I did, but I am battling that, and it's just, I just feel like I'm on the downward trend. That's good. Well, I'm glad that uh, I'm glad that things are looking up and that you're feeling better. But uh, we're glad that you could be here for the live show, as we're glad of everybody who's here in the live show with us, Tim. And we've got uh, already several people in the live chat, Tim. And uh, for those of you guys who are watching live, of course, you can interact with us during the show via the live chat. And Tim, we've got uh, Shingo Yabuki here. He says hello. We've got uh, Mr. Dwayne79 is here. The Real Hammer Billy Lee, Tim, is here. And Regs Regs Show is here as well. And it looks like he has a question that we'll get to in just a bit. But uh, Tim, anything else you want to update us on before uh, before we move on with the show? Well, uh, you may notice I'm at the movies today, John. Uh, <laughs> we'll talk about that a little bit in the live show. It's been kind of a crazy month, uh, both good and bad. And so, uh, just been a, a, you know, just when uh, we thought 2020 was over, 2021 said, "Hold my beer." I'll show you. Stuff. So, just seems like. Uh, Every day, you just kind of got to roll with the punches, right? Right, and you know, it's funny that you're at at a movie theater, Tim, because I think most of them are closed right now, so <laughs> you may be one of the only people at a movie theater right now. But yeah. uh, anyway, guys, we want to thank you guys for joining us. Now, Tim, uh, we had something that came to light just about a week ago, I guess, and I'm going to hit this right up front just because it seems like the right thing to do, but if you guys follow us on social media, you may have seen a post that our longtime social media contributor and live chat uh, moderator, Louis Grubbs, uh, passed away, Tim. And I, I think um, I, I think it was really just uh, it caught us all off guard, just a very sudden thing. Um, it happened, for you guys who are curious, it happened on Christmas Eve. He suffered a, a massive stroke, Tim, and then he died four days later. And Tim, we didn't find out about it for so long because, you know, we thought with the holidays and everything, Louie may just be busy. We didn't really hear from him. And Tim, we should mention we don't always talk to him. We maybe talk to him, you know, two or three times a month. 
And we all get busy around the holidays. Tim, I didn't even talk to you until after the first of the year. So, uh, you know, right. and we had communication with him on December 22nd, which was just, you know, basically two days before it all happened. And Tim, you may also remember that he had a, a Led Zeppelin, uh, I think it was premium edition on pre-order as well. So, I mean, he was looking to be around for a while, obviously, and that just didn't work out. And uh, Tim just very saddened by this news. And, uh, you know, we're really going to miss Louie. He was a big part of this. Tim, he helped come up with the live show concept and helped with uh, some of the troubleshooting that we did on some of the early episodes and things. And I can I can definitely say that if it wasn't for Louie's contributions, that the live show wouldn't be what it is today. We definitely wouldn't have been able to work all that out. And so uh, we just want to... We just want to, you know, say thank you to Louie and that we're we're going to miss him. And, and Tim, I'll let you chime in with anything that you've got. Yeah, um, you know, of course, this is the part John we said would be really hard on both of us because uh, as we miss him as a friend, and uh, you know, we're not immune to this uh, business. Is not immune to uh, anything like that, and uh, was just shocking. You know, just still kind of surreal. Just doesn't seem like that. It, uh, you know, we. We wondered uh, why he wasn't in the chat last time. We thought, well, maybe he was just busy. Sometimes he would get on projects with his work and be gone or uh, be kind of overwhelmed with work. And, uh, you know, to kind of, I guess, find out just like uh, we did and to not even really be there uh, for his girlfriend or his mom, we want to extend our deepest condolences to his family, you know, uh, this is a hobby for us where we have made some really good friends. And uh, unfortunately, it's not the first person, John, that as we all get older that we've seen that's passed away that we uh, can think of several um, in our in our local area and uh, an extended family here in Texas. And now um, to deal with this, so we just uh, really would like to say how much we did appreciate him and uh, you know, and, and I'll be honest, I look forward to playing pinball again with him one day. Um, I know he was such a great guy, and I know uh, where he is. I know where his heart was and, and helping people like we we are, John. He just seemed to fit our team really well. And, um, you know, so, guys, if we muddle through this a little bit to, today, sorry. I hope that you'll all be understanding. Um, you know, some things are bigger than games and pinball, but... It's what brought us together, and so we were very fortunate to have, uh, Jonathan, you got to meet Louie in person and to, to have known him and to share these uh, few years uh, that he helped us here uh, with Arcade Repair Tips. But um, you did get to meet him, John, and maybe you want to tell a little bit about that story. Yeah, well, I'm just going to put this slide up here, Tim. We kind of made in, in I guess, a memory of Louie, but, um, oh, that's just me. Sorry, guys. Here we go. Um, but, uh, we first talked to Louie when he posted a question on our Facebook page in June, uh, 2011, Tim, almost 10 years ago. And in uh, the summer of 2015, uh, Louie did help us, uh, do some research on an arcade that was using, uh, emulator, emulation-based arcade cabinets. And, uh, he helped kind of get together some, uh, some of the research for us, which we, we greatly appreciate. And then, uh, we interviewed him about that arcade on the question answer podcast, Tim, back when we used to do that on episode 52, which you can still listen to on our website. 
Shortly after that, Louis accepted a social media contributor position with us, and Louis was instrumental, as I mentioned earlier, in getting the live show kicked off and was a moderator in the live chat, many of you guys know, uh, for many episodes. We will miss you, buddy, and uh, rest in peace, Louis. And Tim, yeah, this uh, photo was taken of me and Louis in July of 2016, and we had been talking, obviously, for a long time. But uh, Tim, he lived on the beach, which I always thought was the coolest thing, and I always wanted to live on the beach, and I was there on vacation, and I got, me and him met up at a, at a, um, at a local establishment, kind of hung out for a little bit, and uh, it was great just to hang out with him. He was a really fun person to hang out with, and, um, and golly, uh, he had so much input, guys, on all of the stuff that we do here, and it's not, it's just not going to be the same without him, and so... Um, Tim, I'm getting a little emotional here. Uh, I'm sorry about that, guys. And I think, Tim, you are too. Um, but, you know, it's hard, yeah, it's hard not to. Um, guys, you know, I, I felt like, Tim, 2020 was done and that we could move on. And then we found out about this and it was just like the biggest gut punch I'd ever taken. It, it You know, and Tim, I, I've trained martial arts. I've, I've taken hits. But Tim, nothing hit me as hard as this did for some reason. And um, it's just, it sucks. And we're going to miss him a bunch. Well, and I think it reiterates, John, that once this virus is over, I really, really do want to get us to traveling some more, maybe going to more shows, because you never know. Uh, you know, those times when we get to hang out on the weekend with our buddies and our listeners and uh, friends and contributors and things and even just parts manufacturers and stuff. We're just not guaranteed a tomorrow. So just want to encourage everybody to live life to its fullest. And uh, when you do get a chance to travel and, 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 and then uh, on the opposite, I would say, let stuff go. Any, don't hold a grudge. Don't, don't, uh, don't let something eat you up. Uh, you know, go one day with a clean conscience and a good heart like Louie did. And I, I think he entered heaven's gates uh, with open arms, and I, I really do appreciate him and look forward to seeing him again one day, but also um, I'm thankful for those memories and for those times that, and, the, and the things that we were able to do, and I look forward to, to meeting more uh, of you guys. A lot of you are here every month. I would love to meet y'all one day um, before, you know, my time is called, so uh, by all means, uh, live life to the fullest, enjoy your family, enjoy your kids, uh, travel when you can, uh, don't leave nothing left on the table. Agree, Tim, and I, and I will say that Louie lived a life that I wanted to, I want to live. I want to live on the beach and just, you know, <laughs> be able to kick back a cold one on the beach every night at sunset, and, uh, and hopefully I get to do that just like Louie did. He definitely lived his life. And uh, we're going to miss our buddy, but man, he, he was a good dude and, and uh, he did a lot of great things, not just here, but just, you know, everywhere. He brightened people's day and uh, we're going to miss him. But um, Tim, we talked about this. Uh, you've been in contact with his girlfriend, who's also been in contact with his mom. And we're going to donate $100 out of the Arcade Repair Tips Fund uh, to his family. And Tim, you said you're going to donate $50 of your own money, correct? Yeah. And so um, we're just going to ask right now if you guys are interested in donating to uh, the memorial that we're sending to Louie's family, you can go to arcaderepairtips.com slash donate. And Tim, uh, just put your money in there. And then uh, there's an option like to designate what that money is for. Make sure you put Louie Memorial as the reason so that way we know to give it to him. And so uh, to his memorial. So um, if you want to go to arcaderepairtips.com slash donate, and then, uh, like I said, you can put any amount of money, guys, a dollar on up, and just make sure that you 
you designate that it's for Louis Memorial whenever you donate that, and we'll make sure that it gets to his family. So, um, but Louis, uh, we know you're looking down on us, bud, and uh, we're going to try to make you proud down here with the live show. Uh, sorry to be such a downer up front, Tim, but I really wanted to kind of get that out of the way so we could um, move on to the questions and things like that. So, all right. So anyway, guys, let me collect myself real quick, and, and we will move into questions. Now, Tim, we did have Rexer show here. He says, hey, Jonathan, maybe one question on uh, CRT arcade resolution, standard, medium, and different types and what they mean. I meant to email you this question. So, Tim, let's talk a little bit about the different arcade monitor resolutions real quick. So uh, 15 kilohertz standard resolution is what we have on most games, correct? Right. So now, you, and that I mean, pretty much um, all of your classic games use that. There may be some exceptions in there, and until we do have medium res games too, the twenty five kilohertz, uh, which are a little bit different. And Tim, remember, you, the, your monitor has to match your game, and so if your monitor doesn't match your game, what happens? Well, you'll get like a triple screen, or you'll get some distorted picture or view, or may not work at all. Right. May not even come. Right. Now, some monitors are what we call tri-sync. Tim, you mentioned that before. Tri-sync are monitors that do a standard, medium, and then also VGA, which is like a 31 kilohertz resolution. And so there are tri-sync monitors. In fact, most of the 27-inch monitors that you see nowadays are going to be tri-sync monitors, which means that they'll take any of them. But typically, there's a switch on, on the board somewhere, Tim, to make that change, correct? Yes. And it'll be a, like a, a physical switch that you go over, or sometimes it may be... With some of the newer types, it could be a uh, setting that you would go in and change an input setting. Right. So, I mean, the difference is it's just the resolution size, basically. And so 15 kilohertz became a standard at some point, and it was just a standard that pretty much everybody used. But, Tim, when newer games came out, it seemed like they wanted to do a little bit higher than that, and so they kind of bumped up to 25. And then, of course, Tim, we have kind of our standard VGA-style resolutions at 31 kilohertz. And so, I, you know, it just it just really depends on kind of like a resolution-slash-refresh rate is really what it comes down to. Um, but, um, like, the biggest point that we need to make about that is just make sure that your monitor matches your game and so if your game is a standard resolution make sure you've got a standard resolution monitor so is that is that good Did we cover everything yeah okay uh well we'll leave that there regzer but if you have any other questions about that you can shoot us an email or or something to that effect and we'll we'll uh we'll discuss it further let's see what else we have um Let's see. Joe Flores says, Joe Tech is here. Danny Ransom says, nice seeing you guys again. Hopefully you're doing okay. Uh, let's see. Geeklight08 says, hello, everybody. And let's see. And, of course, a lot of people saying sorry for the loss and everything like that. And uh, we appreciate that, guys. I mean, I wish we would have known sooner, like Tim mentioned. Um, you know, but, um, you know, we didn't think anything of it because, uh, you know, we don't always talk every day. And so, um, you know, but I hadn't heard from him in a while. And so, you know, I went to check on him, Tim, and that's when I found all the information about his passing. And so it was uh, a real downer. And like I said, I mean, you guys know if you're here for the live show that he was always posting links and helping you guys out in the live chat. Uh, Louie did a lot of stuff for us, and he will be missed greatly. So uh, I was going to check here, Tim. But uh, anyway, uh, anything else, Tim, before we move on? No, let's go ahead and get into this. Uh, the questions this time. Sure. Well, the first one I have here, Tim, is from Mike. So let's take Mike's question real quick. He says, I've bought a 412-in-1 game board with four buttons, but if I can, I'd like to only hook up three buttons. Which wire do I leave off for the fourth button I'm not going to use? Thank you, Mike. So, Tim, a 412-in-1 is basically like uh, the upgraded version of the 60-in-1. I think a lot, of our, uh, a lot of people in the live chat will be familiar with this board. 
but uh Tim, he only wants to use three buttons on it. What, which uh, button does he not, does he need to, or which wire does he need to leave off in order to leave off that fourth button? Well, you know, I got the um, player four, I mean, button four is like 1025. I'm, I'm looking at my chart on my wall. I know you have it on the slide too, Jonathan. But um, he just has to leave that wire uh, disconnected or he could actually wire it in with, um, like a, a player one start button or something, if he just wanted to have that. Because I think it's only a couple games that use it anyway, and he may not even worry about it. But if he just not hook up the wire from his pinout uh, that goes to that button, he should be just fine. It won't hurt anything. Yeah, and Tim, I have a 412-in-1 arcade that uh, is located at the church I go to that I built, and I think I only have two buttons on it, Tim, and, and most of the games play pretty well with two buttons. There may only be a handful of games on that board that actually use three buttons, and the only game that most 412-in-1s have that use four buttons would be Vanguard, but Tim, I think they've been leaving that off the, 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 the newer 412-in-1 boards just because they don't want people to have to install that fourth button right so uh with that said tim i'm going to go ahead and go to the slide because you pretty much covered what we talked about according to the manual the fourth button for each player should be wired to pin 25 uh, be sure to leave this wire disconnected and you should be in good shape we and tim you know, we like to bundle up the wires that we don't use and zip tie them so that way we can use them in case we need them later sometimes uh tim we see this a lot with like the 16 one where you may need like the the third button for some reason and so you you wire up a switch to it just so you can move through the through the test menu or whatever the case may be and so you may need that later so you may want to bundle it up just in case uh, it should be noted that the vast majority of games included on the 412 in one board do not use the fourth button like we mentioned. In fact, Vanguard is the only game that we know of that uses four buttons and many versions of the 412 in one board no longer include this game for that reason. So, I mean, if your 412 in one board does not include Vanguard, Tim, you can pretty much leave that fourth button off and you're going to be fine, right? Right. It won't, shouldn't matter at all. Sounds good. Uh, Tim, anything else uh, for Mike's question here before we move on? No, I think it's pretty straightforward, um, and, and a good question, though, because um, most of the time, like you said, but when you bundle them, up, bundle them up, I would just, the only caution I would give is, let's say you have a metal um, to either cut the very end of the wire, or if you're going to leave the connector on it, make sure it's shielded or something, because all it has to do is touch a ground and it would uh, activate that button or whatever so just be careful uh, when you're bundling your wires that they're not anywhere where they could touch something metal agreed so you know you definitely want to uh, cut the end of that wire like tim mentioned and as long as you do that tim i think you'll be in good shape uh, typically uh you know wires that aren't stripped don't usually short it's possible but if you're really worried about it, you could always uh, put a piece of electrical tape on it or something correct yeah i would just tape, put a little piece of tape or cut the wire straight. Even cutting the wire, sometimes you still can see the tip of the metal. And I've shorted out stuff from that very little tip hitting the wrong thing. So uh, just be very careful with those wires. Agreed. So hopefully that, that answers uh, Mike's question there, Tim, about the 412 and 1. And Mike, if you have any other additional questions about that, please let us know. We'll try to help you out further. Uh, Tim, uh, we have David W. on the uh, live chat. He says, I just stumbled on you. Do you ever discuss pinball machines? We do sometimes. Uh, Tim, I actually have two pinball machines, and you've had several over your collecting career, correct? 
Yes, and uh, we would say that our, we're probably better at video games, but a lot of the stuff crosses over um, once you've learned to repair some kind of electronics that a lot of that. Uh, electromechanical pinball uh, is not our area of expertise. I'm better when uh, the digital age started, say, 80s and up. Uh, that's most of the experience that we have. But we do have some experience, so if you have a question, we'll be glad to uh, take it on or try to. Yeah, and I currently have a Monopoly and an X-Men in my collection, Tim. Now, Tim, you've gone through several. Uh, what are some of the pinball machines you've owned in your uh, in your time as a collector? Um, let's see. I'll just look at all the ones that I really miss and wish I still had. That'll be a quick list. I like, uh, I miss the hook that I have. Um, my favorite one probably ever was Twister. And then, um, gosh, what other, I've had, uh, I've had a Star Wars pin. I've had, um, let's see, a Close Encounters, Pinball Pool, a Liberty Bell, which are older ones. Um, what else have we had, Jonathan? You, I'm, I'm not thinking. I've had a, what was the Frankenstein one that we had? Um, I can't remember, golly. It's been, uh, Dracula? uh, I can't remember, but, um, now I've, I had a Sega Night Driving at one point, if you remember that. Yeah. I've had a Police Force, which was really fun. Actually, Police Force was really fun. Um, and a lot of people don't know that was supposed to be a Batman pinball machine that they turned into a generic theme whenever they lost the Batman license. Uh, but Police Force was really fun. I enjoyed that game, Tim. Uh, any... Stargate. Remember we played Stargate a lot. Love Stargate. Golly, and I saw that somebody had one for sale recently. I was like, man, Stargate was so much fun. And I know uh, that Gottlieb system gets a lot of hate, Tim. I forget. Is that System 12? Is that what it is? I can't remember. Something like that. We always enjoy it. Yeah, whatever that... And that that system had... uh, It had a golf game, too. It was a teed-off or something like that. It had a whole bunch of different games in that system. Shack Attack was in that. I think Rescue 911. Uh, But that one was definitely the best of the bunch, and it was fun. And I know people, like, diss on it for the call-outs and things, but I still enjoy it, so... Oh, me too. We had the F-14 Tomcat. I'm starting to remember a lot of the pins now that have kind of come through the shop. F-14 is a lot of fun. That's a Steve Ritchie game. And Black Knight. Black Knight. was one. Um, I don't know. It it seems like, oh, I had a Space Invaders at one time. That's right. Um... Gosh, you know, it's just they, they kinda come and go and I, I don't know really why I, I haven't kept one as my favorite for years. I probably um when uh AMC comes through we're gonna get some more. <laughs> Sounds good. I know you got your eye on that Guns N' Roses, right? Yeah, yeah, oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds good. Uh, Dave W. says, thank you so much. I've got a few machines, older slot machines, even a pachinko machine. So he's got some. David, what do you got? Let us know. What pinball machines do you have? So, uh, Oh, Baby Pack. Did you mention that? That's kind of a pinball machine. Oh, yeah, we had a Baby Pack, that's for sure. So, See, like I said, the more I think, the more pins I can remember us having. We just, seems like I would always fix them and somebody would offer me top dollar for them or... I would get like three arcade games for the price of one pinball game. Oh, Star Wars. Did, did you say Star Wars? Yeah, I had a Star Wars. Data East Star Wars. We should we should Yeah, be, Data East Star Wars. I was about to say we should be specific because there was a lot of Star Wars pins. So It seems like we had some more Gottlieb pins. I'm trying to think of all of them. Uh, one did time. you say close encounters, right? Yeah, we had a close encounters. Uh you had a lot you had some more of that system, pinball pool. Um you had- pinball pools actually at one time yeah i was trying to think of all i can't remember but we've worked on some uh, there's a video the cleaning a pinball machine video tim features a kiss pinball machine that we worked on and it was not working when we got there we don't show it in the video but we actually had to uh we actually had to rewire some of the cabinet in order to get it working so 
Yeah, that that's somewhere in the behind the scenes footage I have. Uh, it'll come out yeah. after I die. So, <laughs> but uh, yeah, there there was some worrying that we had to do that one. So okay, let's see. Um, Retro Ralph is here. Timmy says sorry for your guys' loss. That's very sad. It's been a while, but I think there's uh, one option in the settings menu that might require the fourth button, but can't recall what it is. Yeah, and that's why I was thinking on the 412 and one Tim. There may be a setting that requires that fourth button in order to to do it. So you may want to keep that around just so you can touch that fourth button to ground every so often and get that get that connected. Uh, let's see. Um, Ozzy is here. He says, I used to have a Superman Atari pinball wide body. I think that may have been a Steve Ritchie. I can't remember. Did he do Superman Atari? Uh, probably. I he did the Airborne did. Avenger. That was his first one, right? Yeah. So that was an Atari pinball machine. Uh, and I think Superman may be on his repertoire too, Tim. I'd have to go back and look. But uh, let's see. Okay, I think we're caught up on the live chat, Tim. So I'm going to go ahead and move on to our next question from Jeff. And Jeff says, I have a Golden T 2005. I haven't looked inside the cabinet yet. The machine powers up and works great. The monitor is pretty weak from the start and gradually gets worse. By the second or third hole, it's really dim and fuzzy. Do you think a cap kit will work for it? Now, Tim, this is this question is where our title for this episode comes from. My golf game screen is pretty weak. So, <laughs> but... Um, what do you think's going on here with Jeff's uh, Golden T 2005? He's saying that it, it's pretty weak from the start, and then it gradually it gets, gets worse. Correct. So what do you think's going on with Jeff's monitor here? I think he has probably a classic example of what a cat kit would fix normally. Because as the capacitors are drying up and they're not producing the right amount of voltage and, and letting the power go through there like they should then they are getting weaker and the screen is getting dimmer in a real simplified way. Yes, this would be probably what a cap kit was designed for to get those new capacitors in there and bring that voltage back up to a level where it would really make your screen look good. Yeah, Tim, and these uh, newer style cabinets, I say newer style, I know it's 15 years old, 16 years old now, but a lot of these uh, CRT monitors, Tim, were K74, 7500 Wells Garner monitors. And these uh -huh. monitors, Tim, uh, I have one of these in my Blitz Showtime cabinet that had the exact same issue, Tim, and a cap kit really seemed to, to solve that. And so I am going to second your opinion on a cap kit. Uh, and I'll go ahead and throw up the slide here, Tim, so we can show everybody. From your description of the issue, a cap kit sounds like a great place to start. See our post on installing a cap kit for more information. Now, please let us know if you're not sure about the make model of your monitor chassis that's currently installed in your cabinet, and we'll try to help you identify it. Now, again, just a quick note, Tim. Again, his, his monitor is probably a newer style monitor, which means there's probably quite a few caps he'll need to replace. As I mentioned, if it's a K7400, 7500 series Wells Garner, then you're probably going to end up replacing 40 plus caps, uh, which is about yeah. double what you would find on a GO7, correct? Right. And so that's something to keep in mind. Uh, and Tim, that to me, that all that means is that's double the mistakes you can make when you're 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 checking your polarities. So <laughs> so make sure that you double check all of your polarities when you're putting these caps in. Putting one in backwards is not a good thing, and will ultimately lead to some bad news, right, Tim? I believe that's correct. Yeah, and so, uh, yeah. we know from experience. So, yes, we do. But the the main thing is is that um, but it, but I do really feel for a few you know for under twenty dollars he can fix it. So it's worth it. Just make sure you take your time. 
that you are watching the polarities really close. Agreed, Tim. And it's not hard. It's just, it, it is kind of a laborious pro process though. And you have to be very, very focused. Uh, Tim, I have a rule that I don't do cap kits when I'm tired. Which means I never do right. cap kits. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, you know, but if you're if you're tired when you're doing them, you're more much more prone to make a mistake. So um, I used to work on games late at night, Tim. I try to avoid that now, just because I feel like if I do that, I probably will be more prone to mistakes. So. Yeah, I've always enjoyed when we did one together, John, because sometimes I, we'd be just about to do it, and you'd be like, "Hey, it's backwards" or something. So sometimes a second hand or just having someone to talk to when one of those big cap kit projects helps a little bit. Agreed. A second set of eyes is always good to have. So uh, good good advice for Jeff here, Tim, and we wish him luck on his cap kit. And and Jeff, if you continue to have problems after the cap kit, please let us know and we'll try to, we'll try to give you some more advice on how to fix that monitor. Tim, we have Retro Ralph in here. He said, just wanted to let you guys know I used one of your older videos to learn uh, how to use a CRT rejuvenator, and it really gave me the confidence to do it. You guys are the best. Uh, Retro Ralph, that means so much to us. And Tim, if you haven't been to Retro Ralph's uh, YouTube channel, you should go there. He's got some great videos. Um, and Regzer shows here tonight too, Tim, as you know. And he also has some great videos. Guys, there are a lot of great YouTubers that uh, not only cover arcade stuff, but cover you know emulation and other parts of the arcade Um of the arcade space and so if you haven't checked out the regzer show and retro ralph on youtube you guys should definitely do that two channels that are definitely worth your time so okay tim i think we're caught up in the live chat now so i'm going to go ahead and go on to the next question from burmy games and he says i have a problem in a waya chassis waya okay. waya i always forget how to pronounce that tim how would you say it? I I, I call it we, Waya. Waya. That's what I said, so, but I don't know if it's correct. Exactly. So I have this problem in a Waya chassis. The B plus voltage is very high at 247 volts. The input in the vertical should be 24 and I have 34. Can you give me an idea where to see or what is causing this problem? I think, can you give me an idea where to look maybe or what is causing this problem? So Tim, I uh, guess... Uh, as you probably guessed, this is a, a monitor question, and while we're okay with those, we have a guy, Tim, that's a lot better at these than we are, and that is our monitor guru, Michael, and he was kind enough, Tim, to send in a video from Burmy Games uh, kind of describing the problem and giving his, his uh, response to it. So we're going to let Michael take it from here. We'll come back with a summary of what he said. Hey, everyone. Michael back. This month, we have Burmy Games. I sure hope I pronounced that right. He has a issue with his B-plus voltage. It's running around 247 volts, um, definitely high. Uh, he also said the input voltage on his vertical IC is about 10 volts higher at 34 volts when it should be around 24 volts. I bet if you compare most of the other voltages around the board, they're all going to be higher than they should. Um, usually the chassis have a built-in circuit that will put it into shutdown when uh, voltages get high. And sometimes you'll know that the chassis will actually start chirping at you to let you know that it's in shutdown. Sometimes not, but some of the newer ones especially will. Uh, the three major causes for this, um, number one is cold solder joints. Um, look around the board, uh, especially on the bigger components. Um, and check, make sure you don't have a cracked solder joint somewhere on them. But check all your components, but usually the bigger components tend to fail quicker than the little ones. Uh, but just make, double check all your solder on the board and make sure there's nothing that looks su suspect there. Um, uh, 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 next, check capacitors on the B-plus line and in the power supply. 
um, there might be one, especially if the, the monitor has a feedback, feedback circuit, uh, one of those could have opened up and uh, paid more attention to your, like your 50 volt, 35 volt caps and make sure they're not open. If you have um, access to like an ESR meter, that's great. Um, check all of them. Um, it might be a good time just to do a full-blown cap kit, um, but bear in mind, not all cap kits come with every cap that's on the board. So make sure you check all the ones in your power circuit regardless. And the third and probably the most common issue is that you've lost a load to the power supply and the power supply is running wide open, causing the high the higher voltage than it should. Um, in order for the power supply to work correctly, it actually have actually has to have a load on it. Um, like on Ohm's law, your voltage equals resistance times current. And when you lose your resistance, you don't get correct voltages. Um, usually, uh, this the more common issue with this scenario is with when a flyback goes bad, it'll actually open up a resistor on the board, usually a standoff resistor, or it'll take out the horizontal out transistor and then it, then it will take out a resistor to help protect the rest of the board. Um, start looking for some op the open resistors um, in that area. If you have standoff resistors, which are the white ceramic um, resistors with the metal legs on them and they stand up a little bit off the board, those are usually real low ohm resistors. So check those, it should be fine in circuit and make sure there's still a real low ohm reading. If you get a high reading on those, they're probably opened up. And, um, and then check your horizontal out transistor, make sure it's still good. And just start looking for something that's open, usually a resistor somewhere um, that's open. There, there is a way to, to put a load on your power supply with a light bulb. Um, I used to do that before, um, that will help you if you have another issue somewhere, that will help you not blow out new parts right away if there's another issue going on. Um, there are YouTube videos, I believe, showing you how to do that. You can sub in a, a, a light bulb, a 95-watt 90, light bulb. So that light bulb will actually put a load on the power supply, and you're able to check voltages and stuff like that safely. So I hope this helps. Um, I haven't actually looked at a schematic of this chassis, but... Um, maybe a little bit more detail and if um, from you would help and if you can't get it going let us know and we'll dig a little deeper and um, definitely get you going I used to see it all the time but unfortunately with this problem there are a couple of things that can cause it but hope this helps until next time we'll see you later Okay, Tim, we're back, and uh, Michael sent in that video, Tim, and usually he's in a like a like in his little gaming room where he's got all of his accessories and things, and this time he was just basically in his car, and that's because I believe he's actually um, uh, working somewhere on, on some oil rig st stuff, and so not able to be at home, but we still appreciate him taking the time to answer Birmingham Games' question. Now, Tim, we'll go ahead and do a summary of what Michael talked about in the video just so everybody can kind of see it here, but as Michael mentions here, there are three main causes of this issue. The first is cold solder joints, and Tim, you've mentioned this before, something that Michael always does when he takes a monitor chassis out is typically he'll go ahead and touch up all the solder joints, correct? The very first thing. And so you'll need to double check all your solder joints, especially the ones on the larger components, which was something he specifically said, and touch up all those solder joints as needed. Now next you're going to want to check all of the caps on the B plus voltage line and in the power supply. Pay 
specifically close attention to your 35 volt to 50 volt caps, anything in that range, and make sure that they are not open, Tim, because stuff like that can definitely cause that that uh, that kind of um, power issue that he's having. And finally, and, and he actually calls this one the most common problem, is that the power supply does not have the load on it, and, and so basically that could be caused by open resistors in the power supply section. So... Uh, you know, this can be caused, him because the flyback or the hot went bad, and so maybe it caused the resistor to blow, or it could, ju could just be that the resistor itself just blew. And so um, he recommends looking for these resistors in the power supply section and replace them as needed, do a test on them, see if they're still working, and if they are, uh, that's fine. If they're not, replace them as needed. Tim, do you have anything else to add uh, to Michael's response here to Burmy Games about his issue? Oh, no, I ain't added nothing to that. <laughs> Oh, Michael, that definitely shows the difference, guys, in, like us, where we've done a lot of motor repairs, but taking it to that advanced level, and uh, sometimes we have to know when uh, when we're out, and we need to, and so he, he needs to look at those things, but if, it may be where he needs to send his chassis in if he doesn't. If any of that sounds great to him, it might be a good time to have it professionally repaired. Agreed. And Tim, these wire chassis, a lot of people um, get them because they're the, the universal chassis that we recommend sometimes is kind of like a, a universal replacement is usually that wire chassis, correct? Correct. And so, you know, you may have one of these because somebody did a quick replace on your on their monitor whenever they it went down for some reason. They didn't want to repair the original chassis. So they threw one of these in there in order to get the game working or whatever the case may be. They're not the most friendly chassis to work on, Tim. But with Michael's tips, hopefully you can get your monitor chassis back up and running. So Burmy Games hopefully answers your question and good luck with your repair. Now, Tim, we have Danny Ransom in the live chat. He says, um, yeah, I talked to you guys last show about my Final Lap 2 having a monitor problems, and the other side played perfect. So I switched the boards around, and it played perfect, and it turns out I had a bad VGA converter board. And he says, thank you, guys. And, Tim, uh, we mentioned this with 60 and right. one boards a lot, but it also applies to the um, to the, con the video converter boards as well. It seems like these things are super cheaply made. Now, that's a good thing in a way, because that means that they're also cheap to purchase. But at the same time, it also means that the components and the solder and all that kind of stuff that's on the board, it's not always up to the best quality. Right, Tim? I think so. What I seem to notice during that era, John, when we kind of switched to having video cards, it seemed like they were always buy. They must have went in and bought out somebody's stock. Like, they were always buying last year's product or the year before's. So even by the time they went brand new in a game, it seems like there were more advanced places and things. And so we just, we go through a ton of video cards and then you got to where you couldn't even hardly get them anymore. Right. Now the Gombas uh, 8200 8220 series are still available out there. Those are the ones that are probably the most common, Tim. Those are the ones that allow you to use a VGA monitor with a um, with an arcade game. And that's the one most people use. Tim, we really don't recommend these anymore. Part of the reason is because, yes, you have problems with them. But the other part is because now they make monitors that support, uh, they make LCD monitors that support standard <coughs> resolution, correct? Right. And so, like, we have several, Tim, that you can hook directly up. You don't have to have a converter board. And we think that those perform better as a whole than using a video converter with a VGA card. Not to say that that's our VGA monitor. Not to say that's a bad way to hook it up. It'll still work like that. But we just found in our testing that the the monitors with the built-in um, standard resolution support are better than going the converter and VGA monitor route. Correct? 
So right. there you go. But we're glad you got your game up, game up Danny. And please keep us posted uh, if you have any more issues with it. Okay, Tim, let us move on to Chuck's question. And here we go. Hello, I saw your video about the JAMA Upgrade 60-in-1 kit for the Pac-Man Miss Pac-Man cabinet. I acquired a Miss Pac-Man from a friend. When you turn the game on, the music runs fast and the screen is messed up. It has shifted half a screen to the left and is now halfway on the right. I don't know what it what it needs to be fixed, and I was thinking about the I was thinking about the upgrade. Since your video is seven years old, could you recommend a JAMA package and a replacement monitor if it needs to be changed? Also, I've heard there are places to get replacement decals or parts. Any information you could provide would be awesome. Thank you. Chuck. Now, Tim, uh, here is Chuck, and he is looking at maybe possibly doing the uh, 16-in-1 kit upgrade for Pac-Man Miss Pac-Man Cabinets. Of course, we did that video like he mentioned seven years ago, and JammaBoards.com is no longer in business. So, Tim, uh, what what hope does Chuck have for uh, maybe still being able to get that kit? Well, he's in a lot of hope because I just recently did a similar type repair myself. Um, and the first thing I'm going to recommend is that, uh, yes, you can get the kit from Mike's Arcade, and there's some good documentation. He sends some very, very, very good instructions that are easy to follow. Um, you won't have any, you shouldn't have any problems, and it literally takes about 20 minutes to to hook up. What I would encourage him to do is what I did before I went that route. I went ahead and fixed. I had a Miss Pac-Man game. And I went ahead and fixed all of it and got it working as a mispack, and then I installed the kit. So I didn't use the kit as my fix. I kind of used it as an upgrade, and now we test stuff in it, uh, JAMA boards and things like that that we can do. Um, but, uh, but if you get that kit from him, even though it is seven years old, like you said, uh, I guess he acquired the rights to that board or whatever, and um, his instructions are very detailed and very good, very easy to follow. So you shouldn't have any problem, but you got some kind of board issue going on with it playing the music fast and all that stuff. So you may want to look at getting that fixed first, uh, just because you can always keep it original if you go to sell it, which is kind of what's happened to me, John. Um, I did convert it, but then somebody said, I really want a Miss Pac-Man. Looks like I'm fixing to sell it as a Miss Pac-Man. Perfect. So it's a good thing that I fixed that board and could give it to them as original as possible. And uh, Tim, we should mention, we did a video on the upgrade kit from Mike's Arcade, and like you mentioned, the instructions are fantastic. Golly, those are some of the best instructions we've ever seen. Way better than the JAMA board's instructions from back in the day, um, but the Mike's Arcade instructions are very good. Yeah. So, yeah, exactly. Now, like you mentioned, Tim, we would probably, uh, we're probably going to recommend, though, if he can, maybe take a look at his board and see if he can fix that first. And so, Tim, I'm going to go ahead and bring up the slide here so we can give him some resources for that. And it looks like Chuck is here in the live show chat with us tonight. If you want to say hi, Tim. Hey, Chuck. And I hope that this really does help. Yeah, and he said he got a kit delivered today. So I don't know which one you bought, Chuck, but please let us know if you bought the Mike's Arcade one or if maybe you bought Hot Rod Arcade offers one now too, Tim. There's a couple of places. But Chuck, if you're looking at maybe fixing that board, here are some resources that will help you with your Miss Pac-Man cabinet troubleshooting. And Tim, the nice thing about Pac-Man, Miss Pac-Man cabinets is that there are so many resources for trying 
uh, for fixing them because they are very common. They've been around a long time. So here are three links that we will recommend to you, Chuck, in case you are interested in maybe possibly fixing that Miss Pac-Man board. And Tim, of course, the first one's the Lawnmower Man Pac-Man page, which uh, Tim's been around forever. He's got some great... Uh, great information. Next is the Mike's Arcade page on Pack Troubleshooting, which has screens that you can compare yours to to figure out which chips need to be replaced on your board. And then, Tim, uh, Arcade Archive has a Pac-Man troubleshooting guide on their website that you can take a look at as well. So those three work resources can definitely get you uh, going in the right direction for sure. Um, Chuck just replied, Tim, he got the Mike's Arcade kit. Okay. So good. he'll be very, you'll be very happy with that, Chuck. If you, and he said he just got today. The instructions are wonderful. It should be super simple to install. If you have anything, any questions about it, though, you can let us know. Uh, and Tim, that's what we mentioned here. Mike's Arcade has a very similar kit to the one Jamma Boards offers back in the day. Now, as far as replacing the monitor goes, make sure that you go with a commercial-grade arcade quality LCD like the one that's available from Twisted Quarter or other arcade parts suppliers. And Tim, I have a picture of one here. Uh, Tim... We were talking about video converter boards and VGA monitors. You can go that route. But uh, here's the thing. For longevity, for ease of hookup, for a lot of different reasons, going with the commercial-grade RK-quality LCD is definitely the way to go, correct? Yes, and I believe it's the one that, um, isn't it Twisted Quarter that offers the 22-inch one? There's one that uh, I, I really am interested in myself because it's a little bit bigger but it's not, I've already did the dimensions and stuff. It's not too huge for that cabinet. Uh, and it should fit in there. And I think that, that would be cool to have kind of the biggest monitor possible without it. I, I never really, I didn't really like the 25 inches that they used to put in them. Remember, John, like the reunion right. ones? They were almost too big. But then the 15 inch looks so small. Uh, so maybe that's an alternative to look into that. Absolutely. And he, I think he also mentioned something about artwork, Tim. And uh, there's a lot of and de replacement decals, he says. Uh, Tim, there's a lot of places that offer replacement decals. We like GameOnGraphics.com uh, is one of our favorites, Tim. Uh, what's what's the one that we use for, for years? Phoenix, is it Phoenix Arcade? Phoenix Arcade and Arcade Shop. I mean, most of those guys use really good quality stuff. So Game on Graphics, Phoenix Arcade, Arcade Shop, uh, and those are all .com. So Game on Graphics with a with a, a G-R-A-F-I-X, I believe is what it is. But if you do a search on Google, you'll find it. Game on Graphics. Uh, then you also have uh, Phoenix Arcade, Tim, which sells a lot of like uh, classic replacement artwork. And then uh, we really we really do like, um, <clears throat> what was the other one you mentioned, Tim? Arcade, arcade Shop. Shop, of course. We've been using Arcade Shop for years. Uh, really like Arcade Shop. Uh, can't uh, can't recommend those three places enough. Uh, really great places to get your artwork from. And if you need some more places, we have a whole list on our website at arcaderepairtips.com slash resources. You can also find parts suppliers there, monitor repair guys there, board repair people there. Uh, basically, all the resources you need to repair your games can be found at arcaderepairtips.com slash resources. Tim, is there anything else you have for Chuck before we move on? No, unless he has any more uh, oh, and uh, real, real, uh, the real Hammer Billy Lee says Galloping Ghost Reproductions is a great place for reproduction artwork. And I had heard that they were doing it, Tim. Uh, of course, Doc Mack, uh, who runs the Galloping Ghost Arcade, uh, they have so many cabinets, Tim, it makes sense for them to do their own artwork too, right? I mean, it's just, it kind of goes hand in hand. So if they're doing it, I we haven't ordered anything from them, but I would trust their quality for sure. So, 
let's see. Oh, um, Rexer Show says Game on Graphics. Um, he has a 20% off code for Game on Graphics, and it's in the live chat if you guys are watching. Uh, Rexer Show uh, in coupon code 20% off for Game on Graphics. So uh, that's really nice. Game on Graphics, we've been using for a long time. Tim, we've been using them since they were ma- uh, back when they were main marquees. Uh, remember that? Right. So they used to be main marquees, and now yeah. they're Game on Graphics, which I think is a better uh, name overall. But um, they've been around a long time, guys. Great quality out of their stuff for sure. Okay, Tim, let us move to Lauren real quick. And Lauren says, and he sends a picture, Tim. You can see the picture here. He says, uh-huh, hello, I have watched some of your training videos and I appreciate them. I just purchased a used God Plus arcade game and the right half of the screen is distorting into a V or W pattern. Do you think this can be adjusted using the screws on the boards or adding magnets to the back of the monitor or is it a circuit board failure issue? Appreciate your help, Lauren. So, Tim, we got Lauren here, and you can see the distinct pattern that he has on the right side of the screen there, Tim. Oh, sorry. I got to get you back in here. Let's see. Where is he? There he is. You can see the distinct um, kind of VW-shaped pattern that he has on the screen in that picture. Uh, very distinct, Tim. Uh, what do you think is going on here? He me- The three things he mentions are maybe the adjustments, uh, maybe adding magnets to the back of the monitor, maybe circuit board failure. What do you think? I think it's more of what a chassis failure or a circuit board failure, as he called it. Um, that's be my. It'd be good time for a cap kit because you'll notice that it's kind of on the one side of the screen, and uh, so I would um, definitely. And if it's a Geo Seven, I would probably do the curl fix on it. But um, I definitely think it looks like he has a chassis problem. Yeah, I think so too. Obviously, magnets, uh, Tim. A lot of times when we see magnets, that has more to do with. Um, with uh, discoloration. Uh, we'll see some discoloration yeah. on the monitor and then we'll have to add some magnets and things in there. Uh, sometimes you'll have to shim up the yoke, but typically that's more towards like a whole picture geometry, if that makes sense. Like maybe you have somewhat right. of a trapezoidal picture to where like one side's kind of sunken in, the other side is, is kind of um, further up towards you. Uh, you'll see stuff like that. That's more of a yoke adjustment issue. But in this particular case, I'm following with Tim. I'm, I'm saying monitor chassis issue. Um, Tim... I think I've seen this before with a Geo 7 monitors, the, the curl slash sync mod, Tim. Um, I've seen, uh, it kind of looks like that a little bit on that right side of the yeah. monitor. And so um, I, I think that he definitely needs to check that out. And I'm going to go ahead and put the slide up here, Tim, since we've pretty much already discussed it here. But from your description and picture, it looks like you're having an issue with your monitor chassis or circuit board, as he puts it. It's probably a problem in the high voltage section, HV as we call it, of the chassis. We recommend starting off this repair by installing a CAT kit. If your chassis is an Electro Home Geo 7, and the only reason I say that, Tim, is because the age of this monitor uh, just lends itself to, and, a, and being in a GOT Plus just kind of lends itself to a Geo 7. Um, if you've got that, let's do the sync and curl mod on it as well. Because that's a um, that's a very crucial mod for getting those kind of curls out. Tim, we had the similar issue on a main cabinet back in the day. I don't know if you remember that, but it did end up being a Geo Seven that we had to do the sync curl mod to, right? Yes, I remember that. And Tim, I went ahead and put the link to the Bob Roberts sync curl mod on uh, his site down below in the show notes. So if you're looking for that, you can check the uh, show description for that link. Um, please note another thing, Tim, is we did mention this is the high voltage section. Uh, make sure that the cap kit that you get includes the filter cap for the monitor chassis. Since this looks to be an issue in the high voltage section, it's possible that your filter cap is either starting to go bad or has gone bad, Tim. And those do not usually come with cap kits, correct? 
and they're right. pretty big. Um, you'll have and typically you'll have to order them separately. Tim, I looked up uh, the Geo Seven one on Arcade Shop. They have it available. You can order it. But you, um, Syracuse Semiconductor, which is one of the places we recommend people get cap kits from, does have the um, does have the, the cap kits with the filter cap in it, right? Huh? The actual one. Exactly. Yeah. Or you can order the filter cap separately from somewhere like ArcadeShop.com. Uh, they do offer it as well. But you might try replacing the filter cap in this particular instance because, Tim, we've seen a lot of modern chassis with a little wave or wiggle yeah. in it that it turned out being a bad filter cap. So that's definitely something we'd recommend here too. Uh, now, Tim, Lauren did actually write back after I wrote the slide and he said he did the sync curl mod, he did the cap kit, and he's pretty much got the problem fixed 95%. There's still a little bit of a wave on the side, but I kind of sent him the filter cap, uh, you know, uh, suggestion as well. And so we'll see if he comes back with the filter, if he replaces the filter cap and see if it gets that last little 5% bit of that curl out of there. So, and uh, hopefully it will for you, Lauren. But if you have any additional uh, questions, please let us know and we'll try to uh, help you out with your Geo7 monitor. Now, Tim, if it seems like we're doing more questions tonight, it's because we are. Um, we had some kind of come in uh, at the last second, so I went ahead and threw them on the outline. So we actually have maybe one or two more than we normally would have. But, you know, that's just more fun, right? Sure. Absolutely. <laughs> so um, I think Louie would love it. I'm just saying. But uh, anyway, guys, let's move to uh, Brian's question here. And Brian says, so I bought an arcade game from the coin op store back in 2016 apparently they are now being charged with selling fake games anyway the game worked great and has over 64 games and i really enjoyed it last week i moved it from one room to another and now nothing displays on the monitor uh tim this already sounds like a very familiar story <laughs> yeah one too often too agreed so uh, the game starts up and you can hear the noise of the game but not see anything on the monitor any suggestions? Now, Tim, uh, just a little bit of background on the Coin-Op Store stuff. Uh, they were one of the few arcade game sellers that uses the bootleg, like, 16-in-1, 412-in-1 boards and was selling them to customers. The problem was is they were doing it basically in Namco's backyard uh, in the same area. And so uh -huh. they got sued out of oblivion pretty quick, and so they are no longer around. Uh, Tim, we know a lot of people who do sell, I mean, these these boards and haven't been in trouble, but you really can't do it, like, right underneath their nose. They're going to probably get you for that. And so Coin-Op Store was doing that, and so they have now since gone out of business. Now, Tim, he says it was working great until he moved it, which, again, this is a, a you know, it's kind of like, what, different different song, same story, or same story, different song, whatever the case may be. Uh, so it's just, uh, we hear this a lot. So what do you think is going on with uh, Brian's um, multi-cade cabinet here? What does he need to do in order to get it working? Well, I'm not sure what kind of monitors they were running. I'm assuming since it's a newer game that probably has an LCD or something in it. Um, and I had a similar instance not long ago with a game I sold. I got home, they said, well, it won't work at all now. And I actually was able to talk them through it over the phone. Because Anytime you move a game around, connections are real easy to come undone, and uh, it really needs to check however his video is coming in uh, and his power to his monitor to make sure. Uh, he does say he's playing. It's kind of a classic case that we talk about playing blind, but in this case, uh, fortunately, in that being that newer of a game, uh, it's probably just a bad connection issue, and so if he'll check his... It's a VGA for sure. You can unconnect it, connect it back in, screw it back down, get it real good and tight. If it's uh, some kind of wire connection, just make sure that it, all the connections are good. It's probably something really simple, or you just lost power in your power to your monitor. It's just not 
uh, coming on. Uh, you know, we don't know if it's an LCD. It doesn't say, does he? No, John? he doesn't. Not in the cabinet. See, and it could, you know, if you if it was a classic type monitor, you'd wonder if it had net glow, stuff like that. So a few more questions we would need to ask him. But however you get power and video to your monitor both, I would check those connections really good. Sounds good, Tim. And, and Tim, this is a classic case of playing blind. And typically that'd be because... And with a CRT monitor because the monitor chassis has failed in some in some respect. But the fact that it was working before he moved it kind of lends us to think it's more of a connection issue, correct? Yeah, that's that's the only the only difference is is he moved a game, which we've had happen to us dozens of times, even in our own shop, just moving it from one side to another. Uh, seems like something will jostle loose or come undone. Agreed. So let me go ahead and put the slide here, Tim. We'll talk about it a little bit more. Uh, this sounds like a pretty classic case of playing blind, like I mentioned. Uh, with that said, it's probably more of a connection issue than a problem with your monitor. Start off by checking for the input and power wires going to your monitor. The connection between the monitor and the game board will typically use either a Molex-style connector with several wires or a VGA-style plug. Check that Check those uh, wires or that plug, depending on what you have. Check the power going to the monitor, like Tim mentioned. If all the connections are good, then it is possible that your monitor went out and you could you can either repair it or replace it at that point. If it's a CRT, of course, we have a nice video, Tim, on troubleshooting games that are playing blind. But if it's an LCD, it may be easier for you just to replace it. So, But more than likely, Tim, just a connection issue here for Brian. So hopefully he can figure out exactly what's going on and uh, get, back to, uh, get back to playing his game. So, Brian, hopefully that answers your question. And good luck uh, fixing your <clears throat> CoinOp store uh, monitor on your arcade cabinet. Now, Tim, we have a, a question in the live chat. I'm sorry, Ozzy, we didn't get to it earlier. But Ozzy says, are C arcade CRT monitors with burn-in fixable? So I guess you're wondering if you can fix the burn-in. Uh, the bad news is you can't. Um, this is something that just happens with age. Now, Tim, we have some tricks to, to hide that burn-in, correct? Yeah. I mean, technically, I guess you could. If you had a phosphor gun and some stuff, it would cost more than you'd ever spend on another monitor. But one of the tricks that we like to use that works actually very well, once you've done a cap kit and you have very bright colors, is to put a piece of smoke plexi over it. A lot of Ms. Pac-Man back in the day would have that smoke plexi over it, and it really does hide out the screen burn some. So you can kind of mask it or put a little makeup over it, if you will. Now, Tim, we should mention that you have a tech tip coming up in just a couple of uh, segments here that's going to help people in case they have burn-in on their pole position monitor, correct? Right, which is a very common one. If, you've had a pole, if you have a pole position game, it's original. You probably got that screen burn. We're going to talk about uh, something that can help prevent that or at least from getting any worse. Exactly. So we'll talk about that in the Tim's Tech Tip segment real quick. Uh, Tim, I should also mention YouTube Punk is here tonight, but he was apparently delayed because he was watching the uh, season finale of The Expanse, which I haven't watched The Expanse, but maybe we'll talk about it a little bit in the after show, right? Yeah, okay. <laughs> Sounds good. Uh, but I might be mad if I was losing out to The Bachelor. <laughs> <There you go. laughs> Not losing out to The Bachelor, Tim. I, You know, if we were a Monday night show, that may be the case. And it's bad that I even know what day it comes on, so... <laughs> but anyway um yeah so uh, unfortunately no way to fix the screen burn but you can do dark plexi and tim we learned this trick of course from miss pac-man cabinets uh, miss pac-man cabinets usually have that piece of dark plexi and if you've ever seen a miss pac-man that's run for a while i can almost guarantee you it'll have some may screen burn on it correct oh yeah pretty common well, exactly so 
Uh, Tim, Danny chimes in. He says, I've got a Sega Gremlin arcade cabinet. I turned into a Frogger, but doesn't have the original control panel. Wondering if they make repros of them. I'm not for sure on the Frogger. Uh, Tim, they definitely make a repro of the artwork. And so you may be able to um, to strip down your control panel and put the artwork on it. But I don't know if, if you're looking for like an entire control panel. I don't know if you can find an entire one. Do you know? No, I'm not offhand just because I haven't bought one. But I, I would assume somebody's probably made it. Or if nothing else, Danny, a lot of times they'll sell a blank one. Or you may even go to your local machine shop. If you've got uh, one for them or some measurements, they can oftentimes build a build you one and cut the holes where you want. Believe it or not, kind of more reasonable than you think. A lot of times under $100. Yeah, it's not bad at all. And especially if it's something you're going to keep in your collection, Tim. It's something you, you know, it's this is a keeper, as we like to say. If it's a keeper for you, it may be worth getting it machine shopped and then, you know, slapping a, a brand new overlay on it and uh, making it look like new. So, um, you know, um, but we don't know anybody offhand that would carry those in stock. But you can check with our normal parts suppliers and one of them may have some. Tim, Arcade Shop has a lot of stuff like that, correct? I was going to say, or Mike's Arcade, a lot of those guys have tons of control panels now that are blank or whatever. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if somebody doesn't have it or carry it, but I don't know for a fact. Sounds good. So, Danny, hopefully answers your question. Uh, let us know if you do find a place we'd like to know as well. So, Now, Tim, it's time for our rapid-fire questions from YouTube, and we always like this one. We usually cover three back-to-back -back and do them very quickly. And this month, we've got these three. The first one is from CB That's Me. And he says, I cannot get the existing JAMA board removed. Is there a clip or something? I don't want to risk breaking it. There would be glue to hold it together though, right? That's what he's asking. Rich says, what are the best arcade sticks, arcade joysticks that actually last a while? And then Catherine says, my screen has vertical lines and no sound. So Tim, we've got CB, that's me, saying, I can't get this JAMA harness off my board. We've got Rich saying, uh, what's the best arcade joystick that's actually going to last a while? And we have Catherine that's saying, my screen has vertical lines and no sound. So Tim, let's take these one by one rapid fire style. CB, that's me, can't get the JAMA harness off. What can he do, Tim? Well, there shouldn't be any clip. I, I have seen a clip before on like a redemption style game, but that's really rare. I've never seen it in a classic arcade game or anything. So you, there's no clip. You're just going to have to really pull on that thing. Uh, that's why those little end pieces are there for you to kind of use both hands and kind of pull up. You might have to take a flathead screwdriver or something and only on the end that might give you a little more torque, or you could tap it with a hammer. Um, I think you show in the picture a good diagram of where I'm talking about hitting, not anywhere else. Uh, but it, it'll come up. Then sometimes it just takes a little muscle. Now you could probably spray some, um, like some good contact, like some board contact cleaner or something up in there. I don't know if that would help a little WD-40 maybe, uh, which would be okay on those pins. And you just wipe it off when you get it up and get it out of the way. That might help loosen it up a little bit. Yeah, you probably shouldn't turn the game on, though, if you spray that stuff on the board, correct? No, do not do that. <laughs> Okay, no. I'm just, I want to make that no. sure. Disclaimer there. If you're going to spray something on the, the harness that's connected to your board, do not turn the game on after that point until you get the harness off. So, right. uh, Rich Hat was wondering, what's a good arcade joystick that lasts a long time, Tim? Well, we like the Ultimate or Competition uh, eight-way joysticks with a heavy spring, and that's the ones like Asuso Hap or Bethlehem carries them. 
Uh, we like those. And Tim, this comes from years of route operating and you obviously working at Chuck E. Cheese. We found that the heavy spring ones just hold up better, correct? Correct. Yeah, so, and you can replace the spring yourself, Tim. Uh, Hap actually has, I think, a kit. So if you just buy a standard Ultimate or Competition 8-Way, uh, it does it. you can get the heavy spring to put up in there. Uh, but I believe they also make ones that have the heavy screen spring already installed, which is the ones we used to get. But, Tim, uh, you know, obviously we had a lot of fighting games on route, and those are notoriously... Uh, bad for you know getting worn out because i mean obviously when you're doing quarter circle half circle 360 motions on a joystick it kind of wears it out a little bit faster and we found that the heavy spring ones will really last against that right i mean we're talking about route operation getting played several times a day um very rarely would we have to replace heavy spring joysticks it would take years before we'd wear one out so if you're if you're using it in a home game room it may it may last the rest of your life so yeah, we're talking about at least 5,000 plays a month, probably. Exactly. And so, yeah, if you've got a heavy spring one that you're, use, that you're using at your home arcade, more than likely it's going to last a long time for you. Okay, Tim, mm-hmm. real quick, Catherine has kind of a, a, a very a, a more difficult question, I would say, in the fact that she's just got lines. She's saying she has lines, what was it again? Vertical lines and no sound. But she doesn't tell us which game, so we don't know that. Just vertical lines and no sound. What do you think is going on? Well, it could be a board or a chassis issue, but more than likely, <clears throat> we got to start at power. So always start at power. Make sure that the voltage and everything is correct because you will get that if you do not have enough power for the correct voltage going to And it. I should say, Tim, when I think about this, sometimes I think maybe the board isn't getting power at all. Maybe what she's seeing is the raster lines, and that's why she's also not yeah. getting any sound. So it could be that your board itself is not getting the DC voltages that it needs, which may be your power supply not working, and which is why we're going to use the ASAP approach. Always start at power and uh, try that. Check your voltages. See if they're good, and if they're not, replace it as needed. So, Tim, I'm going to go ahead and throw this slide up, but I think we pretty much hit everything at this point. CB, that's me. No, there shouldn't be any clip or glue holding it. However, JAMA harnesses can firmly hold on to a board, especially if they are new. Try using a flathead screwdriver on the outside edge of the harness and pulling up. That'll kind of give you a little bit more torque to hopefully get that off of there. So under those little clips on the outside. Tim, we have seen zip ties through those little clips on the outside of the harness as well. So make sure you don't have a zip tie there. It's rare, but we've seen it a couple of times. Uh, Rich, we like the Ultimate or Competition 8-Way style joysticks with the heavy spring installed. You can purchase them from both Suzo, Hap, and Betson or wherever fine arcade parts are supplied. And then we have Catherine. It may be your board, but let's use the ASAP approach first and see if you've got any voltage. And Tim, I've got a picture of two power supplies there. Uh, We've got a standard switcher and an ATX style switcher, and uh, you just need to check the voltage on it. Make sure that's getting correct voltage, and if it's not, you may need to replace your power supply or adjust it as needed. So Tim, I think we hit all those. Anything to say about any of those before we move on? No. Great. Sounds good. Uh, Danny says, Tim in front of the theater makes me want to watch a movie. So, Tim, you're already making the AMC stock go up. See that? Trying. (laughs) (laughs) Now, uh, Tim, uh, we just teased this a second ago, but let's go ahead and uh, show everybody this. This was your tech tip, Tim. And you sent this to me, man, probably uh, just like a week into this year um, or into the, or yeah, a week into January. We'd already made the outline for the last live show. Uh, But when I saw this, Tim, I I thought it looked, it was incredible. And so why don't you give our audience uh, a good overview of what you found? Well, maybe even a background, you know, my first arcade game was a pole position and I used to laugh because I played and played and played it, but there's only so many games of pole position you can play. And I definitely uh, ended up with a lot of screen burn on that game from just from me playing it. 
But what it does is allows, we call it the proper uh, free play mod. So there are other mods, but what this one does, it allows the game to play in a track mode. Um, and while it's at the free play, and it removes the large game over, which is what you normally see burned in on it. And then all you got to do is press accelerator to start another game. So you can leave it going. It'll kind of go through some attract screens. I think there's, is it four screens or something like that? It, it goes through some neat stuff, some little animation and stuff. Uh, but that's pretty much what it is. And um, I think it's kind of a cool mod. If you have a pole position, I would highly recommend that you get it, and uh, if I ever get um, get a pole position back, I think that's probably what I'll do to mine right up right away. Now, Tim, uh, it said that you can use an EEPROM eraser and a burner, so you can erase the EEPROMs that you currently have and burn the images uh, on top of those. Uh, and he actually has those available at the video link there. Or he says you can order a set from Hobby Roms, correct? Right. So this is kind of a labor of love project which I think is really cool. You could just go and get it yourself and do it if you had the means, or you can get it from Hobby Roms. Anyway, so it's a pretty cheap fix uh, to fix your game up like And that. he has a great document in the video, like in the video description, Tim. And that we put that link down below in the show notes as well, Tim, so people can see it. But um, I checked out the video that you sent. I thought it was awesome. And yeah, it, it really, um, it, you know, Tim, we had one of these um, for your Tron Arcade Cabinet too, these free played mode style um, kind of proper free play mode mods and they're really fun to have because it allows people to continue to um, to watch the attract mode and still have that cycle and everything but you still have the luxury of having free play on top of that correct correct and that's really what what it is and yeah Tim he's got the mods for most of the versions of pulp position but I think one version in particular he does not support and so uh, make sure that you uh, check the video link he, he there's like three different versions of pulp or three different sets of pulp position and like one of the sets he's not currently supporting but the other two he does and I think the other two are the more common ones Tim the Atari set and I can't remember what the other one is but um, yeah so you can find it all at the video link because I kind of read through it and I thought it was pretty cool so if you have a pulp position Tim I think it's worth it now Tim your first game not only was your first game a pole position, but you also had a pole position sit down, which we talked about as well. Yes, and I really missed that game. It's probably kind of one of those you would love to have back, you know, maybe one day. <laughs> Absolutely, Tim. So uh, thanks for bringing that up in your tech tip. I thought it was awesome. And uh, hopefully uh, those of you who have pole positions will be able to do this mod and really enjoy having that free play mode, but still being able to enjoy the attract mode and not have to worry about a game over being burned in your screen. So now, Tim... You texted me and you told me something and you sent me a picture and I I couldn't believe it to be honest with you. I, I thought <laughs> for sure like this was you were pulling my leg or something like that. I didn't know what was going on. Uh, but it has to do with your latest pickup, correct? Yeah. So your latest arcade game pickup, I'm going to go ahead and put, this is the picture you sent me and I'm going to go ahead and put uh, the little description I, I put on the outline here. So I'll let you tell the story. Well, as you might remember, we had quite a cold front come through Texas uh, right after Christmas. It was pretty snowy and cold, and I got a phone call said that there were two arcade games in the dumpster, okay? And uh, they didn't know what they were, but one of them said Galaga. Well, that really got my uh, juices flowing, even on a cold day, to go check it out. Um, I said, where? And they said, well, it was a storage building down old Jacksonville Highway. Now, you'll laugh at that, John, because you know that they're everywhere you go down that highway. There's new storage buildings. So 
it took some driving and some figuring out, and, and that's why I didn't call you right away, because I wasn't even sure I'd ever find it. I about given up, and I come around the corner, and then I found two arcade one-ups in the trash. Now, the Galaga one was so was pretty smashed and beat up, and it wasn't worth salvaging, but that picture is exactly how I found that Street Fighter, and it was complete. I have not, uh, it didn't have a power supply or anything, a power core, but I robbed it off of the Galaga one, and I've yet to, uh, had time to work on it. It's kind of been on the back burner, and, uh, you know, I had to kind of explain to my wife uh, that I was dragging another arcade game home, but don't worry, it was little. <laughs> kind of speech you know but uh anyway uh it was complete there's a monitor in there i think the board is in there and it actually is in pretty decent shape the other one was beat up pretty bad but there it sat right there in the trash can so i literally just lifted it out of the trash can and put it right in my truck and took it home that day now some some more cynical people and maybe some of the people in live chat would say that that's where that belongs tim but i actually like arcade <laughs> one-ups and so i think what you did was fantastic and uh, hopefully we get a chance to maybe we'll shoot a video on it tim kind of get a chance to actually see if it works what we're going to do with it do something with it but um hey uh, i'll take a free mini arcade game any day of the week so well i have uh, two nephews that are six fixing to be six and four and uh, they're both boys, and I hope to fix that up for them. I bet that they wouldn't care that it was an arcade one-up. They would probably have a lot of fun with it. And if they uh, kill it in a few weeks, I would get at least a few weeks of enjoyment knowing they uh, got to play it quite a bit. So we'll, well see. Well, you know, I've got a lot of full-size arcade cabinets, Tim. I've got six arcade one-ups, too. And I tell you what, the kids love them when they come over. I mean, you know, it's, it's cool to have something that's just your height. You know, with a regular arcade game... Uh, my kids have to either sit on a stool or stand on a um, stand on a like a footstool or something like that. Uh, with the arcade ones, they can just walk you up to them and play them, you know. And uh, it's nice that they play multiple games. I I personally think they're cool. I look, they're not arcade games. I don't. They're not like traditional arcade games. I fully accept that. But for what they are and for the price that they are, they're pretty awesome. So, and especially when you get it for free. I will dig them out of the trash just about any chance I get. Absolutely. Yeah. And Tim, of course, you're one of the first ones. You got to play with them before release. I mean, if you go back and, and see, uh, Tim right. Tim went out to California and was actually able to play one. And I know you've been looking for a centipede for a long time. Um, I, I haven't seen any centipedes around. But hey, you scored a Street Fighter, and uh, I think, you know, for free, man, you can't pass it up. Okay, sounds good. Well, uh, thanks for enlightening us on your most recent pickup, Tim. Now let's go ahead and talk about Arcade One Up for a second, Tim, because they did release um, a bunch of new cabinets. And so we'll go ahead and move to our discussion portion real quick. And Tim, here's a list of all the cabinets that they announced. And um, you can find out all the details about these guys. There's a lot of different places. We just took this from the Game Informer article. But Tim, um, probably the, the biggest announcements were the Killer Instinct cabinet that has killer instinct one and two battle toads and battle toads and drug double dragon in it and then the right. four player x-men cabinet which has um x-men captain america and the avengers and then avengers and galactic storm which is another arcade game i think those two were big of course the dragon's layer cabinet has dragon's layer one and two and space ace 10 that was another one and then other than that tim there were three legacy cabinets that are kind of upgraded models to what they've already released like the street fighter 2 tim is a 12 in one street fighter 2 that's just like the street fighter 2 you picked up for the most part, the artwork's a little different, but it plays 12 Capcom games instead of the three. Okay. And then um, there's a Pac-Man one that plays 12 Bandai Namco games. The Atari Legacy is exactly identical to the um, 
the Atari 12 and one that they had before, except it's in a Tempest cabinet, Tempest style cabinet. And then Tim, the, the thing I think a lot of people are more interested in is the Pong four player pub table. And that has Warlords on it, Tim, which is a game that I know a lot of people like to play. But um, that one looks fairly interesting. Tim, uh, which one of these cabinets are you the most interested in? I would probably be most interested in the Pong, uh, maybe the Tempest, but the Pong for sure. Yeah, the Pong is really cool, and I think it stands out pretty tall, Tim. So uh, you guys, it'd be great for guys who have like a little, you know, bar area in their house or something, or a man cave. If they just were looking for one game, maybe a good one to have. But uh, Tim, I, I think these are all cool. The only one that I may be interested in is the Killer Instinct, just because Killer Instinct cabinets, Tim, go for a ton. I mean, you're talking like $2,000 typically or more for a Killer Instinct cabinet. And uh, Tim, I do like to play Killer Instinct's fun game. And uh, I, you know, I might would invest in that, but I'll have to wait till they get on clearance or something before I throw down any money on it. So yeah. Um, any other thoughts? No. What what's going on in the chat? Room? Um, let's see. Um, uh, uh, Show says that was a good score. LOL, easy fix and mod. And uh, he says I personally don't like one ups, but it's a good score for free. Absolutely, man. Uh, you know I bought my uh, Street Fighter two. You know on on uh, Facebook for forty bucks, Tim. I thought I got a good deal on that one, and uh, you <clears> made my right. score look uh, look bad. So they, <laughs> so you got a much better deal than I got. I had to throw down two two twenties. Uh, you had you didn't have to throw down anything. So I might have to throw down some to get it working. We'll yeah, see. I did put some money into um into the one I bought. I just bought like um an overlay for it and uh, a couple other things. Not a whole lot, but um you know I mean they're still fun to have around. Let's see. Silver Wedge says uh, my favorite game was Robotron 2084. Built a main 32 cocktail machine out of a mispack. So there you go. That's cool. Oh, Ozzy says, I have a dead asteroids cocktail table. Have you heard of any cool uh, conversation ideas of for an astro uh, asteroids cocktail, Tim? So um, the problem with asteroids, Tim, is vector monitor. And so um, you can't yeah. fix them typically. But, um, but you know, it's if the tube goes bad, it's pretty much a boat anchor because trying to find tubes is a little difficult. So um, you could always do, I think, just a regular conversion on it, right, Tim? Like a, like a, a multi-cade horizontal type conversion on it. Uh, but if you can fix it, we'd recommend doing that, correct? Yeah. That, that, hopefully it's, it's still got a chassis that's fixable. Absolutely. So as long as the tube is still good, uh, the chassis can be fixed typically. So, I mean, but the tube goes bad, like boat anchor is basically what it is. So, because um, finding vector, ve replacement vector tubes is tough. So, um, you know, but... Again, see what it's doing. See if you can fix the vector monitor. We have a lot of repair guides, Tim, that we've posted over the years, uh, different links to. I, I can look those up if you need help, Ozzy. Uh, email us at questions at arcaderepairtips.com, and I can send you those. Uh, let's see what we got here. Um, one Up is awesome. So is the Ad Games Legends cabinet. That's from Geeklight08. I agree, guys. I look, a lot of people knock on these home-use-only cabinets, but I like them. Um, you know why? Because I like arcade games. And I know that they're not commercial, but I still like them. I still enjoy them. What about you, Tim? Oh yeah, they're they're fun. It's a, in a afford. It's affordability is what it is. Exactly. And you just, you know, if I could find uh, regular arcade games all day long for those prices, I'd pick them up. Exactly. Uh, Danny says he likes the Dragon's Lair and the Tempest. And the Tempest cabinet looks just like a Tempest cabinet, Tim. And I don't know if you if you've seen the pictures, but they put the coin door sticker on the bottom now, which I think is cool as well. Makes it oh, yeah. look more authentic. Um, you know, on, on the older oh. ones, they just had kind of a games list down there, so. 
Right. Uh, cool stuff. Uh, let's see. Soggy Kid said, I just did a mod on my channel for an arcade 1-up screen tilt for Street Fighter 2. It looks much better. I've seen these uh, screen tilt mods, Tim, and um, they're, they're fine. I mean, but, you know, like I said, for an arcade 1-up, to me, it is what it is. I mean, if you want to mod them, that's fine. But I kind of like to keep mine original because it is, I like it to be what it what it is. You know what I'm saying? Um, I might may mod one at some point. We may mod yours. I don't know. But, um, you know, to me, I like the fact that it is what it is kind of thing. So... You know, right. if I want a MAME cabinet, I mean, I've got a MAME cabinet, you know, so it's like, if I want to play other games, I can play them on that. Uh, but the arcade one-ups, I just like what they are. They're kind of cool. Uh, yeah, the Tempest looks great, and that's what uh, that's what Soggy Kid says, too. I agree. The Tempest looks really nice. Um, it's probably the best-looking one out of the bunch. The Killer Instinct doesn't look bad either, Tim, and the, the X-Men looks exactly like what I remember X-Men looking like in the arcade, and I bet it doesn't have that issue with the faulty Konami sound chip. Which now you can get replacements for that, thank goodness. But, um, you know, that's something that was a big issue for a long time. But if you guys want to uh, check out the rest of the Arcade 1-Up lineup, you guys can go to the Game Informer link there. We also have it down below. And you can see all the cabinets that they announced recently. So, uh, Let's see, Tim. Oh, um, so last month we talked about the Insert Coin documentary about Midway in the 90s. And, Tim, that documentary did talk a little bit about NBA Jam. But now we're hearing that there's an actual NBA Jam documentary in the works. And according to this article, it's going to bring the boom shakalaka, Tim. And this is from GameSpot. But it says, Legendary video and arcade game NBA Jam will be the focus of a new documentary, according to Variety. Best Crosses Studios, the production arm of the basketball-themed social media platform of the same name, has optioned author Ryan Alley's uh, 2019 book, NBA Jam, from publisher Boss Fight Books. Documentary director Sean Maynard, uh, the Carter Effect, 25 years, uh, UFC 25 years in short, will develop and direct the film, building off the work Ali did in his research for his book. And so, Tim, I love NBA Jam. I don't know if you're a big fan of NBA Jam. I'm a, yeah, I'm a huge fan. And so I love seeing these documentaries about arcade games. Insert Coin was fantastic. And if you haven't seen that, you should go to uh, Amazon and rent it tonight. Uh, Insert Coin, Behind the Scenes at Midway in the 90s or whatever the subtitle is. I can't remember. But you should watch that one. It is fantastic. And I expect that this NBA Jam one will be good as well. So um, uh, just looking forward to more. Uh, Tim, we talked about this in the after show before. We love documentaries. And Tim, we love arcade games. So documentaries about arcade games kind of right up our alley, right? <laughs> exactly so uh good stuff there but uh, looking forward to seeing that nba jam documentary very soon now tim uh, i kind of posted this on the facebook page and uh and i said somebody made a movie about you uh basically is what it is but uh nick cage's latest b movie extravaganza pits him against demonic animatronics tim this sounds familiar <laughs> uh, maybe like five nights at freddy's yeah. or like what tim had to face when he used to work at chuck e cheese but uh willie's wonderland is about a man who needs some cash fast after his car breaks down apparently outside of a, a chuck e cheese style restaurant so he agrees to clean the restaurant overnight the twist the animatronics are killers the other twist the man is played by nicholas cage i love that uh so where <laughs> where will this one fall willie's wonderland has fun wacky stripped down premise and it looks like all of its energy will be propelled by cage's particular brand of cageness which is definitely promising so tim um i need somebody who can do deep fake videos very well to deep fake tim into this movie so you can deep fake okay. him and just put him as nicholas cage um i'm looking for people who are good with deep fakes deep fakes so if you're good at that please let me know and then once this movie comes out we're gonna get tim's face on there tim he even looks like he's wearing something you would wear 
Yeah. So um, I think it's hilarious, and uh, and so uh, like I said, I need a deep fake artist to put Tim uh, Tim's face over a Nicholas Cage on this, so we can get that done. But uh, anyway, uh, Tim, what do you think about this? I mean, is this something you ever had to deal with at Chuck E. Cheese? You worked on the animatronics. Well, we always thought that place was haunted, and occasionally we'd have to uh, move overnight, and it did always feel like he was watching you when you walked around the room, but I don't know if that's the Mona Lisa effect or what, but uh, definitely some strange things with, the, remember the horse game used to ride on its own, and we had a few other instances, and a ghost, of course, which we filmed and shot a video, or, or released on Halloween. That's window. right. We still have that on the channel, actually, so... But, yeah. Uh, yeah, so there you go. I mean, uh, guys, I don't think it's as far-fetched a premise as we think. Of course, Five Nights at Freddy's kind of popularized this, Tim. And Willie's Wonderland, I feel like, has kind of taken a little bit of the steam from that. But it doesn't matter. It sounds like a, a funny, fun premise, and I'm going to watch it just because. And like I said, anybody who's good with deepfakes, let me know. we got to get Tim in this movie. Uh, let's <laughs> see. Um, Ozzy says, have you seen the arcade one-up pinball machines, Tim? I haven't seen one in person. Uh, just the video, just the videos, and just the pictures I've seen online. So um, they have the Star Wars one, and I think they have a Marvel one, and they have the Attack from Mars one that actually has actual pinball tables on it. Tim, which one would interest you the most? Do you think? Probably the Star Wars one. Just because of Star Wars. So I'd probably be more on the Attack from Mars train, Tim, because it's more like a real pinball machine. And Tim, it looks like, I think Best Buy had those up for pre-order, and they sold out super fast. Uh, and I think that oh, just wow. goes to show you that there is a market for these and that there are people willing to pay. Uh, Tim, especially if it's tables that you, you know and love. Attack from Mars is a very well-loved table, and it sounds like there's going to be a lot of other uh, Williams and Valley classics on that table as well. And so I think there's a lot of people who are looking to throw down some money. And Tim, $500 is a lot less than $2,000 plus that you'd have to, to throw down on a used one or $5,000 plus that you'd have to throw down on a new one. So. That's true. Absolutely. Um, let's see. Shaggy Kid says Midway was so good in the '90s. Endless, endless amounts of great arcade games. Um, and he says he did pre-order the Attack from Mars one. So he was one of the people who pre-ordered it. Let us know what you think of it when you get it. Uh, you know, we played a lot of video pinball, Tim, and I do like it. The only thing I don't like about video uh, pinball, Tim, is and this goes for pinball arcade and like all the different platforms, is that the ball is way more predictable in video pinball than it is in real life. So in real life, the physics are different. And every pinball machine plays differently. Every single one. You can play. And uh, Bride of Pinbot is one that I play a lot, Tim, because I like it. And every single one I play plays differently. Every single one. And hitting that billion point shot is different every single time. Uh, even though it technically should be the same shot. But, you know, people dial in the flippers differently or they dial in the the um, the level differently, the way that they level the pinball machine. And then there's just quirks about each machine. And when you're playing video pinball, Tim, it's kind of all the same, right? That's so, true. I mean, hey, look, the cost, though, I can't blame you. The cost for a video pinball machine, 500 bucks versus 2000 5000 that you're going to pay for a real pinball machine, it's a lot of difference. So, I mean... Yeah, I, I think, and hey, if it gets cheap enough, I'm going to buy one myself, Tim, so. Uh, let's see. Uh, has anyone played the arcade one-up shooting game yet? That's from Danny. Uh, they do have a big buck hunter, Tim. I don't know if you've seen that yet, and it looks like, from everything I've seen, it works pretty well. I yeah, it. I haven't played it, but, um, I oh, you haven't seen it? It looks just like a miniature uh, big buck yeah. hunter. Yeah. So it has the, the same rifle guns. The biggest problem I see with it is that the, they're still using the 17-inch LCD, which seems really small for a, for a light gun game. 
I'd be interested to see how it works then with the gun. Yeah, it does work. People, I mean, people have them and they say it works well. And you can get them from, I think Best Buy has them right now that you can purchase them from. So, I mean, if you're looking. But uh, apparently they've got a way to do it. And, Tim, you know, there's been mods for some, like, old-style games to make them work with light guns. So there have been some mods. There's some mods that can be done to make um, LCDs work with light guns. And that maybe that's what they did in this case. I don't know if they're doing that or if they used like uh, something more like a Wii style light gun. So I haven't delved that much into it. So uh, let's see. Yeah, there are some reviews out there. Um, the Attack from Mars sold out before the email even went out on the Arcade 1UP email list. Yeah, that's how fast those sold out, Tim. Yeah, wow. I mean, that, I tell you, I mean, people love those tables. I love Attack from Mars. It's a good game. So, I mean, there's a lot of good Williams games. I forget what what's all on there, Tim, but it's a lot of classics that you would know. So, Now, Tim, I saved this one for last, and I thought it was the coolest one because um, I didn't, I had no idea that this was going to just show up one day. Um, but this is footage from an Aladdin's castle in Tyler, Texas, around 1981, recently uploaded to YouTube. Tim, we should both mention that neither one of us lived here. Uh, we both lived near Tyler, very close. Uh, and we should, we didn't know that, um, we never were at this Aladdin's castle, but seeing the footage from it is awesome, right? Yeah, I'm not in the video. That's yeah, exactly. Sure. So neither one of us lived here in 1981, but, um, Tim, I, if I if I I mean I remember where the arcade was when I got here, but I didn't get here until probably 1989. So I think 1980, 1988, 1989 is when we moved here. So um, so at that point the arcade was called Jolly Time in the mall, but I think it was in the same yeah. place as where the Aladdin's Castle used to be. Yeah, in the same place, right by Chick Fil A. Right, and, before Chick-fil-A. right, and so like when Jolly Time took it over, it was expanded, and then Pocket Change took that over, and then CyberZone took that over, and they expanded it out further to where it basically took out that whole corner. And now, Tim, that corner is just bathrooms. How depressing is that? It is so depressing. But, Tim, this video is awesome. And, yeah, you posted on your Facebook page saying, does anybody recognize anybody? Um, I don't know. Tim, obviously, didn't live here then, but did you you, uh, find out if anybody recognized anybody in there? No, a lot of people want to know who the cute girl was. That's about all. And she I got. <laughs> she's playing a um a Pac Man cabaret Tim that looks identical to the one that I have. And she definitely was not very good at it. <laughs> so I can only assume that they probably took this in the middle of the day. It looked like mostly adults in there. So yeah. I mean, it's probably during the middle of the day. It probably wasn't. Um, it probably wasn't uh, after school. If there's after school, there would have been a lot of kids in there. But, uh, Tim, it just, I didn't never even knew there was an Aladdin's castle here because by the time I moved here, it was already called Jolly Time at that point. So I I guess Aladdin's castle, like that location here got bought out or, or, um, or something. I don't know. But, uh, Tim, I would not be surprised. There's a Wizard of War in one of the pictures. There's a Rally X. I wouldn't be surprised if some of these games we've owned. Oh, I, I would very much think that there has to be a uh, game or two in there that we have at least had at one point in our collection. Right, exactly. I mean, because it's just, it, it was so cool watching the footage. And it's, um, I think it's 20 minutes or so. But uh, do yourself a favor. Go check out this footage. And I want to thank the Diary of an Arcade Employee podcast for finding this. Apparently it had been uploaded to YouTube. And I'm not always searching YouTube for stuff. I just, you know, I, I do from time to time. But apparently it had been uploaded to YouTube just like maybe a day or two before. And he posted it on his Facebook page. And so we linked over to it. But uh, so cool, Tim, to see this B-roll footage, and there's a Flash Gordon, uh, there's a Flash Gordon uh, pinball table. Tim, we've worked on a couple of those. Uh-huh. Um, 
and well, um, well. you know, there's a whole bunch of other things in there. So like, I, I'm pretty sure we've probably touched at least two or three of these games that came from this Aladdin's Castle back in the day. Oh, at least at least two or three. Yeah, exactly. So I remember seeing Aladdin's uh, Castle stickers on some games. That is young. true. So exactly. So um, they probably came from here. But like I said, um, you know, when I got here is 1989, 1990 ish, and so like most of these games may not have even, I don't remember many of these games being there anymore. You know, most of what I remember were the late eighties, early nineties games. And so these games may have already been sold off by the point that I came to Tyler. So, but pretty cool stuff. Very, very fun. You should watch the video if you haven't already. And Tim, it's just so funny to see, um, to see what used to be here, uh, right in our little corner of Texas. So. Very, very surreal looking at those pictures of those people and thinking we were in that same arcade, just a different exactly. time. Um, uh, Rexer Show says, Flash Gordon pinball or Flash? I didn't think Flash was a pin, pinball about Flash Gordon. Um, so Flash Gordon, there was a Flash Gordon pinball machine and a Flash pinball machine, right, Tim? Yeah, there yeah, are two different ones. Two different. And we've worked on both. Uh, we've had our, our bouts with both. So um, I think Diary of a, I think he, I think it's a Flash Gordon in, in the video, if I remember correctly, correct? Yeah, that's what I remember. So, um, and uh, let's see. Yeah. yeah, Soggy Kid says, um, <laughs> look at the guy's aggressive stance in the denim. Epic. And I can't tell what game yeah. he's playing there uh, from this picture. If you uh, if you saw the real yeah. video, we could probably find it. But um, yeah, he's definitely, he's in he's in that, um, in that uh, combative stance, right, Tim? Yeah, and you got to keep in mind that this is basically a news footage of it. So it's not edited or anything. There's not any talking hardly in it. It, it can be kind of boring in a way, but it's still kind of funny to well, watch. Well, we call B-roll footage, Tim. Like, just footage yeah, that B-roll. they get just so they can have it archived and everything like that. I would love to see if this came from uh, one of the TV stations around here. I, I would assume so. Uh, so maybe somebody was digging through archives at, at one of the TV stations and found it. But uh, very cool stuff, guys. Uh, let's see. Um, uh, Razor Show says that, Oh, yeah. That was about the Flash. Uh, YouTube Punk says, Lions Castle is my jam. Arcade of my childhood. Um, and then um, YouTube Punk did ask if we scored on the GameStop stuff. We'll talk about that in the after show. We decided to leave the GameStop yeah. stuff for the after show. So if you guys want to hear about uh, what happened with us in GameStop, we can talk about that. Uh, I, I, spoiler alert, uh, we didn't make much money. Well, I should tease that... Um... Uh, almost retired. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, there we go. Well, that's a teaser right there. Well, we'll find out more about that in the after show, Tim. Thank you for that. Um, let's see. Uh, uh, Ozzy says, in the late 80s, early 90s, there was an arcade place in Miami, Florida called Castle Park Malibu Grand Prix. Uh, I played Laser Ghost and a simulation uh, simulator. Uh, that's like when... Uh, <laughs> uh, Soggy Kid said, that, that's like me when I lift my leg shooting a three-pointer in NBA Jam. That guy with the competitive stance there. <laughs> Um, Danny said, I had an arcade in the mall when I was a kid called, uh, Sultan's Castle Arcade. Sultan's Castle. So yeah. it probably was an old Aladdin's Castle they renamed after Aladdin's Castle went bankrupt or something. Sultan's right. Castle. Mine was named Jolly Time. Uh, by the time I got here, it was no longer Aladdin's Castle. It was definitely Jolly Time. So, um, but, uh, still cool stuff, man. And, uh, love footage, seeing footage like this. So, well, Tim, let's get ready to wrap up the the um, the regular live show portion of this. So we do want to remind everybody that uh, we want your arcade-related videos. If you want some free advertising for your YouTube channel, we're looking for people to submit short videos, 10 minutes or less, about arcade-related topics. Uh, send your link 
uh, to questions at arcaderepairtips.com and our staff will review it. If we like it, we'll use it during one of our live show episodes. Make sure you put an upload for your channel so people will know where to find you. We look forward to your submissions. And Tim, we always throw that out there because we know that there's a lot of arcade-related channels that are having trouble getting monetized after YouTube changed the rules on that. So if you're one of those channels that's just on the cusp of maybe trying to get monetized and you have some arcade-related content, let us know. Send us uh, one that we can play here on the live show and uh, we'll share it with people and hopefully drive some traffic to your page. And then, Tim, let's go ahead and talk about the contact information real quick. We've got our general email at questions at arcaderepairtips.com, questions at arcaderepairtips.com. Uh, put live show on the subject line if you want to mention it on the live show. Uh, if not, we, we'll just answer it whenever we get around to it. But that's at questions at arcaderepairtips.com. Uh, feel free to email us. There goes to me and Tim, and we'll try to uh, answer it in a timely fashion. We have our YouTube page, Tim, and of course, if you're watching this live or if you're watching the video of this, you know where it is, but if you're listening to this on the podcast, you might want to check out the YouTube page at youtube.arcaderepairtips.com, and comments from the last live show will be covered on the next episode. Tim, it may take us a couple episodes to get those questions in here. Um, I think we covered a couple of questions on this episode from two live shows ago. It just depends on how the outlines kind of line up and things like that, but uh, we try to get all the comments from previous live shows on the next episode of the live show, so if you leave a comment here on this one, we'll try to get to it on your next one. And that's at youtube.arcaderepairtips.com to check that out. We should also mention that uh, if you guys are listening to the podcast of this and you want to check out the after show, make sure you go to youtube.arcaderepairtips.com and look up the episode and you can listen to the after show on that because we only post the regular live show to our podcast feed. And then, Tim, we have our podcast email, and this is for Rusty and Eric. Tim, we haven't heard from them in a while, but I know that uh, they did reach their goal. I know last month we were talking that they were trying to reach a goal to keep the arcade open, and they did reach that goal. Congratulations to Eric and Rusty, but uh, we know that tough, some times have been tough for them because of all of the um, all of the COVID uh, stuff and how it's affecting arcade owners. And so, uh, But they are still the host, technically, of the, of the Q&A podcast, question and answer podcast. So uh, make sure you subscribe at iTunes.ArcadeRepairTips.com or Stitcher.ArcadeRepairTips.com. You can subscribe there. We're also on Spotify and wherever fine podcasts are aggregated. And if you'd like to send a message to Eric and Rusty, you can send that to podcast at ArcadeRepairTips.com. I'm hoping at some point we can get a, a podcast episode out of them. I know they said they re- they've recorded some content, but again, Tim, they've got a lot on their plate with uh, the way that uh, COVID has affected their business. So, um, uh, But if you want to email them, podcast at arcaderepairtips.com. Let them know that you miss them. Uh, I'm sure they'd appreciate that. And then we have our social media pages, Tim. We have our Facebook page at facebook.arcaderepairtips.com and twitter.arcaderepairtips.com uh, where we post a lot of arcade-related news and other things. And uh, Tim, usually I would thank... Uh, you know, Mark and Louie for their efforts. Of course, Mark is still with us, but Louie is not, like we mentioned earlier in the show. Uh, but we do want to thank, we still want to thank both of them for all the contributions that they have made uh, to our social media pages. But again, facebook.arcaderepairtips.com for Facebook. And if you don't like Facebook, twitter.arcaderepairtips.com. Uh, you can follow us there as well. We do take questions on both those pages. So if you want to leave a question there, you can. Uh, Tim, we do... I do also want to remind people what we talked about earlier in the podcast that, uh, you know, Louie passed away. Uh, one of our social media contributors on Christmas, or had a stroke on Christmas Eve, passed away four days later, and that we're still raising money in order to uh, give to his family. So if you want to donate to that, it's arcaderepairtips.com slash donate. And then uh, make sure in the what's this for box that you put Louie Memorial there. So that way 
uh, we'll know to designate for that. All that money that comes in for the Louis Memorial will be added to the $150 that me and Tim are going to contribute uh, to that fund. So uh, any additional amount will be uh, added on to that and we'll give it to Louis' family uh, probably after, uh, probably between this live show and the next live show, Tim, I imagine. So, But uh, uh, anything else that uh, you want to mention here, Tim, before we move into the after show? Any teasers except for the fact that you almost retired? Yeah, <laughs> we'll talk about that. Uh, we'll talk about some movie stuff that we watched. Johnson, I didn't mention that I've watched The Undoing. That's the thing you had recommended. That's very good. Okay, yeah, I like The Undoing a lot. I want to get your thoughts on it, though. Yeah. So anyway, thank you guys that have watched us so far. We look forward to any of you that want to stick around for the uh, after And show. I'll just I'll, I'll give a couple of uh, quick teasers as well, Tim. We'll talk Super Bowl, because why not? Got Super Bowl Sunday. We'll talk about that. We'll talk about GameStop, Tim. You already mentioned that and how you're going to semi-retire. We're also going. It looks like um, for those of you guys who are looking for an alert, I just got an alert that uh, like PS5s and Xboxes may be available on Walmart. So if you're looking for that, uh, that's the alert. Uh, Tim, we're going to talk about some of the shows I've watched, including Flight Attendant, uh, Tiger, Lady and the Dale, and Heaven Heaven's Gate: The Cult of Colts which are some of the things that I've been watching. So I'll tell you guys all about those in the after show as well. But if you guys are getting off here, we want to thank you guys for joining us in the live chat. We want to thank you guys for watching tonight. We always appreciate you guys being here. It is so much fun to have you here, Tim. You know, um, whenever we post on Facebook, we always say that the show is not the same without you. And it's true because you guys are a big part of this show. Right, Tim? Correct. Exactly. You are the show. Uh, So, you know, it would not be the same without you. So when you join us, guys, we try to get everybody's questions and uh, comments addressed in the live chat whenever we do this because you guys are the show. Uh, We run the show, but you guys are the show. And so uh, we want to thank you guys for being here. It always makes for a great time whenever we have a lively live chat. So thank you guys for that. Uh, But we look forward to seeing you guys in March if you're getting off here, Tim. And um, I think that uh, that'll that'll do it for tonight. So uh, it looks like if you guys are going to join us next time, it's going to be March 4th. So the same day, right? Crazy. So March 4th, we'll be back with another live show. And uh, you guys can send your questions to questions at Arcade Repair Tips until then. So we're going to sign off here. If you want to stick around for about five or ten minutes, and we'll get into the after show and some of the topics we just talked about. But if you're getting off here, thanks for joining us. And remember here at Arcade Repair Tips, when we fix the game, take care, everybody. We'll see you next month, or we'll see you in the after show. We'll see you soon, guys. Bye. Thank you for watching this episode of the Arcade Repair Tips live show. All of our past episodes are available on our website at ArcadeRepairTips.com or on our YouTube page. This show is intended for entertainment and educational purposes only. Please consult a professional before attempting to repair any coin-operated machines yourself. The preceding program is a Varcade Entertainment production.